To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Just getting back from the Western Hunting Expo and recorded some great podcasts out there, including this one. So today I have on Zach Botten and Andrew Whitney. These guys are both employees for Stone Glacier, but they're living the backcountry ethos. These guys are constantly working to improve their skill set to give themselves the best chance out there on the mountain. Uh, they're hunting public land, do-it-yourself, just like you and me, and uh, they share some of the, the tips and tactics they use to find success out west. And um, these guys even showed me up on the podcast. This was a Friday morning early podcast right at the start of the show, and these guys had already gotten their run in that morning, which I had skipped. <laughs> so um, uh, they're just doing all the necessary stuff to improve your skill set. I've got a ton of respect for these guys, and this is a great recording. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and I know you guys are going to enjoy it too. Our sponsor for today's show, uh, we are now partnered with Stone Glacier Sleep Systems. Uh, Stone Glacier produces the best gear out there. They, they produce minimalist mountaineering gear that holds up to the test of time. So uh, you can check out all their gear. Uh, I'm, I'm using their tents. I got set up with their Sky Air Ultra, which is a bivy tent. Uh, the, the minimal weight you can run with this thing is a half pound, sets up with your trekking poles, and it's a modular system. We talk about it a bit in the beginning of the podcast, but you can get a mesh liner, uh, you can just run the cover, you can run a vestibule on it. But just an awesome tit tent that really fits my personality. So I'm pumped to be using that. I also just got set up with the Skyscraper two-person tent. Uh, so this is a four-season freestanding tent. Uh, I, I told the, the story about Remy using this on one of her hunts uh, in New Zealand, but just an absolute awesome bomb-proof shelter. Uh, so I'm psyched to start putting that to good use. Also using their sleeping bags this year. They have a 15 degree and a zero degree uh, that really perform well in the cold. So uh, just couldn't be more stoked to be partnered with this company and using their gear. If you're in the market for any of it, make sure to check them out at Stone Glacier. I also want to thank Onyx Maps. Uh, Onyx has really changed the way that I scout and hunt. And uh, if they knew how many hours I used on their app, they'd probably be charging me more money. Uh, I'm constantly looking at it at night, looking at places I'm going to hunt, looking at unit boundaries. You can get topography, aerial imagery, uh, and you can also get a, a combination of both a hybrid map. Uh, mark waypoints, different colors. There's so many features to this app that I'm constantly learning uh, new things I can do with it, like uh, like like marking my track. I can track my miles and elevation profile from the day, and this is crucial too. As it gets dark or as the fog rolls in, that I can navigate in steep terrain and get back to the place I'm going. Like this saved my life one time in, um, well, back to New Zealand. Like I had this route that was going around these cliff bands and the fog came in when I was coming back. And if I didn't have that track, I would have had to stay out from the night because it was so steep and cliffy everywhere except for in this track I'd marked. But so many great features. It really changed the way I hunt and uh, the way I scout and uh, use it absolutely all the time. Uh, make sure to check them out. If you're not using Onyx Maps, I think it's the best program out there.
And with that, just getting back from these shows here, um, really fun to meet some guys there and and, uh, have some in-depth conversations, really fun to record some of these quality podcasts that I'm excited to release to you guys. And um, yeah, it's just uh, uh, fun to be able to socialize, hang out with the Eastmans. Those guys are a riot, laugh so hard, my stomach hurt. So it's a good thing. Uh, I'm going to head over to the Eastman's office here in a couple weeks and try to get a couple of those guys on as well. And um, yeah, just really enjoying things, uh, really enjoying writing for the magazine. Uh, I've got a new article coming out in the Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal uh, called The Gambler, and it's when to stock and kind of cuts through a lot of the, the gray areas to kind of uh, be able to tell what a high percentage stock is and what a low percentage stock is, but I love writing for these magazines. Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, Eastman's Hunting Journal. Uh, you can check them out. Put in the promo code Elevated three two one. Get both magazines for fifty dollars plus an outdoor edge knife. Also, make sure to check out Tag Hub and our Elite Membership. Elite Membership also includes both magazines, but it includes Tag Hub, our Internet Research Tool. Uh, you also get entered into six different hunts this year, uh, drawings for those hunts this year, and uh, a bunch of other drawings we do throughout the year. Uh, but it's a great program. I've been using it a ton lately as we're in application season now. So just trying to study up on on draw odds, success rates, uh, trying to study up on, on great bow hunts and also great rifle hunts as well. And it just gives me a good overall knowledge base for applying out west you know uh, lets me know all the the um the the rules and regulations to each state and keeps me up to date on that and also has drawing deadlines for each state and i believe now we have a new program that'll give you text message alerts when the uh when the when the drawing is coming up or when the deadline is coming up so uh, make sure to check out everything we're doing there uh you can go to the landing page brian and uh, save yourself uh, 10% or 15% off of Tag Hub. And uh, also check out our Beyond the Grid and Eastman's Hunting TV. I had a new episode drop on Eastman's Hunting TV that is a high country hunt. That's a great one. I'm uh, really proud how that one came out. And there'll be new stuff coming out this year. I'm super excited. I've seen some of the cuts from it and uh, looked over some of the footage and uh, pumped to release that to you guys as well. And with that, um, let's get into this podcast. It's a great one. Uh, Andrew Whitney, Zach Botton, a couple of guys I have a ton of respect for and uh, just made for a great in-depth conversation. So I'm your host, Brian Barney, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. Okay, I'm live here. I've got uh, my friend Zach and Andrew from Stone Glacier. Um, man, just stoked to be partnered with you guys this year and your guys' sleep systems. Um, tents are off the hook. You guys dropped off another one yesterday, the freestanding two-man. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the skyscraper two-piece is sick four-season tent, so yeah, for I'm sure. to see how you like it. Yeah. I saw, uh, like, Remy was using it when we went to New Zealand, chasing yep. tar, and um, he had all this room in his tent and could sit up and get dressed <laughs> like he did the two-man for the one-man. Yep. That's a baller move. It's a strong play, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah yep. Especially for, sure. for those, those late-season hunts, you have a little little room to move around in there uh, and keep your gear dry, so... Yeah, absolutely. But uh, you guys also have the Sky Air, too, which is, like, perfectly built for me. It's like a bivy tent. When I think of the Sky Air, you are who comes to mind. Like, those high country deer hunts and stuff, it's, like, 
it hits the nail on the head for those situations. Absolutely. You guys designed it for me. Um, <laughs> it's like a, a really cool modular system, too, where you can go bare minimum and get in around a half pound for just the shell. Yeah. And then you can add mesh if you're going to be dealing with mosquitoes or mice or marmots or anything like spiders in some country in Montana. Yeah. Snakes, it, spiders, it yeah, anything. It seems like uh, everywhere I sleep, I come across like a scorpion or a spider if I'm not in a mesh system. Right. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, that's, um, that's kind of a cool thing about all of our tents. Uh, they're all modular, so you can run them kind of bare bones or like fully decked out. Like the skyscraper, you can run it. I think there's like four different modes. Um, so you, you can run it like four season, three season, bare bones with just the fly, etc. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, you can do a lot with them, which mm -hmm. is nice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, and get the uh, the vestibule on the front to store your gear, and then you can get the, the ground cloth uh, to put the cover on, get more of a waterproofing for it. So it's perfect. You can take it from a half pound to two and a half pounds, depending on, like, the situation you're up against. Yep. Yeah. Well, and I like to cowboy out a lot where I, like, uh, you know, bare minimalist, but you know, having a half pound shell that you can throw in, you'll just never go without a tent. Me, because it works until it doesn't. Right. And when it doesn't, it's just brutal, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, talk about like being sleep deprived and uh, being beat up. Like you sleep during a rainstorm and, and didn't bring your tent, you're in trouble. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Yeah, I did a lot of that this, uh, this archery elk season, just threw my pad down, threw my bag down, went to sleep. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it is nice to pack that sky air around. It's really inconsequential to carry it. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. Well, man, um, stoked to get you guys on the podcast. Like, you guys absolutely kill it. It was a good season again. Bunch of adventures, <sighs> huh? It never feels like a good season. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> I, I, feel I mean, like it's good, but it's always tough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah it, was, it, was, it was hard fought, I thought. Yeah. God, they but, are so hard fought. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, to find success, you do, you just have to grind. Like, yeah. you guys are really good at grinding. Like, it, it's one of the toughest challenges out there. And year after year, you guys uh, produce trophies, you know. So it, it is just such a grind. Do you feel that way, like, during season, during each hunt? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's a little different for me because I'm working on content stuff, too, which is always tough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just an extra level of difficulty to the hunts in the first place mm -hmm. so um but i guess on the flip side of that coin the nice thing is if you're not you know not every day you're going to be able to kill something regardless so you know in the scope of content every day is important mm -hmm. so the days that you're not on game you know you do a, you focus more on the camera or, or vice versa so um that's the nice thing about what i get to do but yeah the hunting is it's tough and last, <laughs> like last year i mean it just seems like you know, archery is one thing, but then you get into rifle season, and um, I feel like we just haven't gotten weather for a while, mm -hmm. at least in our region, which makes it so hard if you're going out and hunting elk. Mm -hmm. which, in which you guys are fortunate. You guys are already tagged out, but I'm usually not. So, <laughs> 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 so I'm out there grinding it out for, like, <laughs> prolonged periods. You're still out on bow hunts, and you're still doing some stuff, but, um, yeah. The rifle season has a different set of challenges. Yeah. You know, you have an extended range and you're more effective, but it's like hunting animals in the toughest season too. For sure. Especially those bull elk post rut. Yep. They break off from the herds and especially like hunting mature bulls, like what you're looking for. Like, man, you got to grind. You got to put on some miles. A lot of times those bulls aren't even showing themselves during daylight hours. They yep. tighten up their program. And like you said, the weather forces them out. It forces them to be active and forces them to feed. And if you don't get that weather and you got hunting pressure, 
those bulls, they just find a, a hole to hide in. They're sure. so good at hiding during those rifle seasons. So it's a whole different set of challenges, and the, and the cold takes a different kind of toughness, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you did a late season cold hunt, right, Andrew? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. we yeah we just uh, we launched over and out the film a couple of days ago, um, but yeah, we did a late season hunt in Idaho, and it was it was cold, it was windy. Uh, again, we were we were fortunate; we killed a bull opening morning. Uh, but aside from that, it was again hard fought and like didn't see a lot, and we spent a lot of time looking around that unit. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, we we certainly endured the cold on that one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Stone Glacier's films are so good. Like, uh, you guys got a stacked talent pool. Like, starting with you two here, but gosh dang it. Like, the films are um, unbelievable. Thanks, uh, man. Yeah, like, uh, um, I, and I've seen you in action. Like, we packed out uh, Brandon Purcell's bowl together, yeah. which was really fun. And got I to know, see I was you like, in Yo, action. We need to get you on in some Stone Glacier stuff, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad that we're here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, got, we got you in a little bit of stuff. So. Oh, man. <laughs> I'll keep working on it. Yeah. No, I'm stoked. Like, uh, from the sleep systems to the sleeping bags to, like, all the gear you guys produce is built for the mountains. And you guys, like, uh, have this crew of really good mountain hunters, you yeah. know? Uh, it, it's just, um, it, it's wild to see and really cool to be a part of. So, yeah, you guys are killing it with gear. Yeah. Yeah, it, we, it, we all have our own style. We all work really hard. Uh, we hunt hard. So typically there's, like, basically no oversights mm -hmm. in anything. You know, if there's a flaw in something, we'll catch it before it goes to market, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah, it seems so simple to us just because, like, we all live the thing that we promote, mm -hmm. you know. But, um, yeah, we just try to do it the right way, which a lot of people want to take the easy route they want to go pay for hunts and all that stuff's fine mm -hmm. you know but when you're a company that's premise is ultralight mountain hunting you got to realize that most people ourselves included are just going to take over the counter tags and hit the hills and so why not go and do just that you know that's what's like, so sure, impressive it's, it's harder like yes we're not going to kill animals on every hunt we're not going to kill the biggest ones but at the end of the day like hunting's really i mean the trophy's awesome but the experience is really what we're going out there for at the end of the day. You know, if hunting was just showing up and shooting something, then it wouldn't have the appeal anymore. You know, it's being out in the mountains. It's learning the animals. It's figuring out how to navigate and, and enduring those struggles with your buddies and, like, actually growing, you know, and that's kind of, like, the best part of it. So if we can capture just a little bit of that in the films, I think people just relate to it a lot. Oh, you nailed it. It, and the mountains are just so picturesque, you know. It's like you can point the camera anywhere, mm -hmm. and it looks great. So, yeah, uh, you're you're absolutely spot on. It's so well said, and and that's it. You guys are living the ethos and doing it like uh, uh, like like me and and the majority of guys out there without shortcuts. And so mm -hmm. it's very very difficult, and yeah. it takes a lot of time and dedication. And and you guys were out running this morning. You know, sure. you guys are, are living that lifestyle 365. But, yeah, the, the gear, that's why I'm so excited about it, is that I think, like, it pairs perfectly with the style of hunting I do. You guys build mountain gear. It's minimalist. It's lightweight. And mm -hmm. it's made to withstand, uh, you know, the conditions that you're up against up there. And it, it's tough to be comfortable when you're living in those extreme environments, you know. But uh, uh, with your guys' gear, like, you just have, like, a solid camp to come back to, you know. So, yeah. um Man, it's um, it's uh, uh, a really cool like when you uh, like I I went 
with you to pack out Brandon's Bull, got to see you in action and, and see some of the footage you captured. And you've just been doing it so long and, and have evolved it throughout the years to where your end product is just amazing. And then uh, I shot with Andrew this summer. We uh, met up at the summit. Yep. Yep. And got to shoot together up there and, and uh, hang out for a day on that thing. We carried a, a pack and shot the course in there. And um, man, Andrew can shoot a bow. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, you just see like a uh, I mean, I heard you were dropping dimes. No one was able to knock you off, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I get one in the middle every now and again. But, yeah, yeah, Andrew can shoot. But it's it's like fun to see you, your guys' dedication, like living the ethos, like uh, uh, building on all these facets that help make you, yeah. like you were describing everything that goes into a backcountry hunt. And you guys are doing all the little things to try to, try to put the odds in your favor, to try to be successful after yeah. these tough-to-harvest critters. Yeah, that, I think that speaks volumes. We, we work day in and day out and, and a lot of times behind the scenes a lot a lot of what people see is the success that we've earned throughout the year right yes. so like we're always shooting our rifles we're always shooting our bows we're always trying to stay in shape so we're doing all the things we can do to try to facil facilitate success for the three months we actually get to hunt yeah like so last year Literally, I packed my bull out, and the next day I was working out in my garage, like in the gym, like during hunting season, like mm -hmm. in November. It's mm -hmm. like freezing in my garage, mm -hmm. and like we're running before the show. Andrew's in the bow shop all the time. We're like getting prepared to shoot some shooting competitions with our rifles this year just to go suck and learn things better, even though we feel like very confident with our weapons in the mountains. It's like you can always progress and get better. And, you know, with our positions and you know our roles we know that we do represent the hunting industry and like with that comes like a responsibility to go above and beyond you know in how you portray it and how you prepare for it and like setting an example because like we all know there's there's plenty of people that you know have made bad decisions and a bad decision here and there is fine as long as you learn from it but there's some repeat offenders out there that <laughs> You know, are, 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 are teaching young people that this is certain theories on, you know, how we view wildlife, you know, is okay. And not to get too deep into that, but, you know, we're trying to just be prepared and mm -hmm. do our best and, and learn from our mistakes and not make them again. So I think... Man, it's, it's the kind best. Of the most simple way to put it. It's the greatest approach. It's yeah. like a student of the game and like a, just constantly learning, constantly improving. And there are so many facets that goes into being a successful hunter. You know, fitness, uh, yeah. uh, being proficient with your weapon, and, and and hunting skill and instincts, and that's gained through yeah. experience. Like you can shorten the learning curve, but you got to get out there and live it. Yeah. And uh, you got to be good at at um, enduring. Like there's just like a lot of conditions. Like it's not fun all the time. No. It, it's a grind and it's constant effort and and not every theory pans out like you we make the best laid plans and we e-scout out these spots and we're going to go in here and find bucks there and then you get in there and uh, there's no bucks or there's a bunch of people and you got to go to your backup plan and your next plan and it's like if you just keep in the fight and keep in the grind and the more time you spend out there like eventually luck tends to to give you a chance or an opportunity or not even luck but you just seem to run into an opportunity or a chance and then um um, and, and then you're in for a whole different challenge. Then it's a hundred right yeah. decisions to try to put yourself in bow range to put narrow in it. Like no it's doubt. not just finding a trophy for every good buck that I kill. There's three that, or four that get away. That's just the start of it. Laying eyes on them is just the start <laughs> of it, right? Yeah. It so is. It's it, it, there's the cliche that um, uh, 
success is when preparation meets opportunity. Um, and it's cliche, but it's very true. So true. Right? There's like so much prep work. And then when you capitalize on your opportunity, you look back and you're like, that everything I did before I had this opportunity is why I came out of this hunt successful. Mm-hmm. But a lot, a lot of that, a lot of the preparation, um, like there's, there's some like innate qualities that people have, right? Like shooting is not an innate quality, right? You earn that, whether it's a bow or a rifle, um, fitness, maybe it's innate, maybe it's not. Um, but there's, there's a lot of these things you can work on throughout the year that facilitate that success. And like being mentally tough, I think is, maybe hands down the single most important thing you can have in the mountains. Like you can be out of shape and you'll still get there if you're tough. You know, it can be cold. It can be rainy. Like you may, maybe not seen a lot of game, but if you're tough, if you can just hang in there mentally, something's going to happen for you. You're spot on. It's uh, so wild how it's like a common theme is you ask guys why they're successful and most of them will say mental toughness or uh, perseverance or it's just to continue to go. And because um, like like the only reason we're we're, uh, halfway decent at hunting is because we failed a lot. Like you fail every way from from Sunday, Mm -hmm. you know, and and just like uh, uh, you you were stating like uh, try not to make the same mistakes, you try to learn from it. But Mm -hmm. I've, I've failed on stocks, I've failed on shots and I you know and and a lot of times you get a chance at this target animal you've been working really hard for and you duff it yeah maybe you come in and and the wind's not right or the approach is noisy like there's so many lessons to be learned but to learn those lessons you almost have to make those mistakes and just get in the field and get that experience totally I I learn more from my failures than I do my success Mm -hmm. my success I'm like sweet you know write it off got it done I'm a hero when you fail or when I fail I think about it for two months, three months, six months, you know, oh, yeah. it's, it's like ingrained in my head and I, I'm, I'm constantly like trying to evolve and figure out why I failed and or what I could have done better. Drives you to be better, right? For when sure. you fail, yeah. I, uh, that's, that's why I am where I am today with a bow. Like yeah. I, I missed a bull elk, uh, I don't know what it was, seven, eight years ago. And I was like, I'm done, it related to target panic, but I was yep. like, I'm done, I'm gonna go figure this out. So I spent the last, you know, nearly a decade trying to figure out how to get what's between my ears squared away when it's go time oh man and i saw it when you shot too your execution and commitment to the execution like that's the path that's the right way isn't it and you dedicated to it and i remember the film that you built where i got to see you execute a shot with a hinge release i believe and shoot back tension and have this giant six point walk out and have you just hold 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 like you were committed to it but it's it's only through failure that you get that commitment to that shot it's like you miss an easy shot because you punched the trigger because you tried to make it go and finally you just get fed up and go like never again i'm never gonna do that and it works out a lot of times you can punch a lot of good shots and kill some critters but but you're not being at your best and and to be at your best is to execute correctly and that goes for a bow or a rifle for sure yeah it's super wild just to go to like bow league and like look down the line and it's punch 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 you know like all down the line which like i did that when i first started hunting nobody told me any different which is probably why 90 percent of the people on the line at league are doing that you know and it's like andrew and i have both had target panic and fought through it and you know i think you're a good proponent of like trying to teach people from your mistakes too but it's like my girlfriend wanted to pick up a bow and from day one, I was like, so here's what target panic is. Here's a good shot. Like, I'm not going to let you just start punching, you know, because, like, you'll do great for two or three years. And yep. then 
when you try to take, you know, your 40-yard group from six inches to three inches, that's when things start to go downhill really quick when yep. you try to get hyper-focused and you're not, you don't understand what a good shot is. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it's crazy. Like, most bow shops don't teach people that. You know, most people don't know how to align and have good body position with a rifle and a good, you know, trigger press. It's like some of the fundamentals are yeah. beyond people, which is... <clears throat> It's amazing. So I mean, you know, it's we're, it's we're, more. We're making a, a film, you know, this this summer just about us and our process with you know this precision shooting competition and you know our commitment. Which it's funny you said student of the game because right now it's like the, the like the working title of the film, you oh, know. Wow. But just oh, like cool. we all are students of the game, and like more people should, you know, be willing to go and try to do things and ask questions and. I, there is an intimidation factor. You know, I've definitely, when I first started bow hunting, walked into bow shops and had people not even talk to me, you know, and just be rude, you know, which which that makes it tough, you know, for new people. But um, I feel like, it's, you know, if you've been a hunter, it's your obligation to just try to help people when you see something, you know. Like, like one of my girlfriend's friends, you know, like I can, I've watched her, you know, um, at the range shoot a certain way. And I read this book uh, that Kalen had recommended with Winning in Mind. And it's just so good about the mental process. And I know that it's probably going to, you know, spark a nerve when, when, you know, she first is like, hey, like, you should read this book. Like, oh, am I do I'm doing something wrong, wrong, you know? But, like, the long term of that interaction is, like, heartfelt. Like, I want to see you do better. And I feel like this is something that could help you. Mm -hmm. You know, or some people are just so averse to any confrontation or negative opinion of them that they just don't say anything ever mm -hmm. but no it's spot on it's and we all had to go through it you <clears throat> almost have to drop your ego and you have to learn you have to ask questions and so like the best thing you can do is drop your ego the first thing and yep. ask people questions that are better than you or that that shoot really well or that know the ins and outs of it like the information's out there you just have to go deep down the rabbit hole and that's exactly what you're doing with competition rifles right now like a student of the game yeah. you almost have to start over and and go like yeah i know how to shoot a rifle i know how to set up a rifle but there's more to it than that like i can learn more i can be better and so you know asking good shooters questions yeah. and taking in information and trying to improve your shooting and um and it's not easy to be a, a good rifle shot like it's easy sitting here at the table to yeah. talk about it and talk mm. about execution but i've seen a lot of guys that miss a lot of uh, easy shots like you know as we talk about the the shooting process whether it's a bow or whether it's a rifle it's like one thing to get dialed in the range and in the practice scenario it's a whole nother step when then you have to take it into the woods and you have to execute a good shot on an animal like you could be be executing good shots for five years and you get an animal in front of you in the fog of adrenaline yep right out the door you, you guys know you guys have been there just oh, like yeah. i have yeah. you know and so it like takes this dedication to go like to mess up and to go I'm never again i'm gonna execute correctly or i'm not gonna kill him i'm gonna let him walk or I, i'm gonna put a perfect shot in him yep. and i think that's what it takes you know with both weapons yeah yeah it, it's tough too um like I, I don't know how other people do it my adrenaline gets going like no matter what um especially with a decent bowl in front of me like i'm rattled I'm rattled, but like what, what's going on between my ears? Like, you know, I'm shaking. Um, my my form might suffer a little bit, but I will not punch the trigger. I will not fail on my process, and it works out. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Or one thing that uh, 
is a good thing for people to do, and Andrew's good at this. We actually give him a hard time because he's always <laughs> bugling and fake shooting his bow in his head, but it's just like visualizing success. And, and you know, part of that, that book, which we've learned through experience, is like, and, and when I grew up golfing, you know, a pre-shot routine was very important, but, like, it's pretty crazy what, like, when you literally view yourself and your body doing something <laughs> in your head, your, your brain's just accustomed to that ex- that sensation that experience and like what that process is so that when it actually happens like yes you can't prepare for the adrenaline surge and and you know whatever the environmental conditions are and the things around you but your brain can be like oh like i've done this before like i know what the next step is at least versus just like blackout because i know like when i first started hunting there were a couple of animals i shot where it was like i killed them but like Dude, I didn't remember what, what, what happened. What, what pin did I stick on? Was did I punch it? Level, did I not like, punch it? How did I shoot the shot? Like, it's I like don't a car wreck. Did I even yeah. shoot? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's such a car wreck. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, we have we have a bunch of guys on our, on our team who will bet against me on the daily. <laughs> yeah. They'll bet that I can't not fake shoot my bow or like or, or like press a rifle trigger while I'm just standing around, uh, which is funny. But, yeah, at the end of the day, like – I, I see myself shoot a six-point bull 10,000 times a year. Yep. And when it actually manifests, I'm like, cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. This, this is what I've been waiting for. And, like, you know, I'm prepared for this opportunity. So I know. It sounds a bit hippy-dippy or cerebral, but the, I do. I do a lot of visualizations. I did in wrestling. Mm-hmm. And you can't picture the exact scenario, but you can dream up these scenarios in your head. And then the big part for me is to uh, visualize executing correctly. Mm-hmm. And and I'm the same way. Is I can't let my brain lapse. I can't not think about it. It's on, it's on the daily. When I lay down and shut my eyes, I'll go through a couple scenarios. Areas, you know, yeah. and putting that perfect arrow or even like with the string released with my release and I can close my eyes and picture put my pin there and picture pulling and even throughout the hunt like um, uh, I'm constantly like I'll, I'll have a mantra about execution pull 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 yep. and and throughout the day throughout the hunt throughout the stock before I get there like I just have to remind myself so when I do get in those positions like I, I don't get in that fog of adrenaline and forget because I've been there before but it's it does take constant effort even for us experienced guys it's like if you you have to keep working at it and keep sharp on it so you guys are spot on man yeah yeah it's tough that bull that i shot this year um he he came in i was on him for like four hours i laid in the sun for like four hours i had a just this gut feeling he was going to walk into this opening and he did but he did it as slow as he possibly could and my mind is just going and going and going, right? He's coming. Like, I, I know I'm about to get a shot, but, like, it's as slow. It's manifesting as slowly as possible. And my adrenaline got going crazy. <laughs> I was literally, like, you know, my, my arrow's <laughs> vibrating. My heart is missing beats. I was, as he came in, I was, like, <sighs> like really trying to slow my heart rate down. But as soon as I drew my bow back, I was like, I'm in my process, and here we go, right? Buried the pin, leveled my bow, and pulled through my shot, and just sent a perfect arrow through him. Mm-hmm. I, I literally, I felt like I was in, in like, the Superdome or something. I, I was so ecstatic. I was fist pumping just because my process was perfect, and, like, right, there were no hiccups in it, even though I was under, like, complete duress and, mm-hmm. and just uh, in a really tough spot, like, anatomically. Mm-hmm. So. 
you were in the Superdome. That is our Super Bowl. Like, those are yeah. the moments we work for. And then, like, it just feels so good to execute correctly and do your job. Yep. That's, like, such a, a big part of the of the hunt and the experience, too. It's like, I, I, I don't want to make those big mistakes in my execution. Like, it's so important to me to execute correctly. Yep. And and feels better to execute correctly and miss than it does to, to punch it and get him. I was going to say, I could pinwheel a bull and punch the trigger and feel like an idiot. Yep. Yeah. Or I could execute perfectly and send an arrow three feet over a bull's back due to a, whatever, a miss range or whatever it may be, and be like, hey, I did my job. Didn't work this time, but I did my job on the bow end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's so true. And it, it's just um, it's tough to create those opportunities. They take so much work to get in those positions. And I think that's the tough thing is, um, uh, you know, once you gain experience and gain knowledge in these different units and different species, you're able to consistently turn up animals. Not that it's easy, but uh, we're good at dissecting units. We're good at putting in the miles, putting our glass to work and finding these animals. So we get more encounters. And from those encounters, you learn how to execute. But it's really tough to learn like a process when you get one opportunity a season or uh, uh, very minimal yeah. opportunities a season and so like I think it's good especially you know like we're all in the learning phase it's good for me even to do a lot of these high opportunity hunts where I get chances to stock I get chances to shoot uh, I get chances to make mistakes and to get it right like that's that's really an important part of the process is just getting those the, those at bats getting yeah. those chances and that's with a bow or with a rifle too yeah there's no doubt about it unfortunately uh, they are very limited, right? Like, you may not go on 10 stocks on a hunt, right? You maybe go on one or two, or mm-hmm. three or four Unless if it's you're antelope. lucky. Unless it's antelope. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, you're right. That's a great way to learn, though. Antelope hunting? Yeah. Uh, that My antelope hunt in August sets me up for the season. Me too. I'm like, oh, I'm dialed. I'm, I'm back, you know? Um, but, yeah, it's just you just don't get that many opportunities. So I, I feel like it's what you said is important. Um and you know you get to like weed out some of those errors and figure out what works and what doesn't but like I, you need to figure out some way to do that throughout the year as well mm-hmm. you know like go shoot archery league the other day i shot a steel target at our local archery shop it's got this tiny little hole in it and it's like to win a free bow or something i missed it five times but I executed perfectly. And I like I, it was in front of a few guys, like my nerves got a little worked up, missed it five times. But I walked away and I was like, whatever, you know? We're, n- we're not immune to it. Yeah. Like, uh, it's like I'm no sure matter how good whatever. we get. You're like, I made good shots, but I know you're like, ah, well, I know I can hit that. <laughs> I, I, you're going to go yeah. grind harder. <laughs> so, yeah, so like I'm, I'm frustrated that I didn't put an arrow through the hole. Yeah, but, but like, you're I, not I, like, oh, I freaking ganked on it or like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I just I executed perfectly sure. and um, I, my point is like if you can subject yourself to those like kind of high pressure situations throughout mm-hmm. the year whether it be like us going to shoot some PRS matches um, which I'm extremely unfamiliar with I, I, I barely know the format you know but I'm going to go subject myself to it and I'm going to be better for it yeah. oh, um, without a doubt same with archery like shooting archery league um, with really really good shooters and bowsmen mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's it's competitive, and when you go head to head, the adrenaline gets going, mm-hmm. and it feels like one of those situations, right? So you just get you get comfortable, more comfortable being uncomfortable behind a bow or a rifle. Yeah. Spot on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think preparedness is like a really good thing. I think you know, a lot of people focus on it maybe a little more than they, not maybe more than they should, but forget about some of the important things like 
actually getting out in the field. Like I work out a lot of the year, but that's more like mental training for me than physical fitness. Cause I know like the only way I'm getting in mountain shape is throwing the backpack on and like hitting the hills. And one thing that paid off for me last year was just when I was younger and I didn't know as much and I had more time, I scouted more, you know, and I feel like it was so pivotal. And then I just like, life got busy. I feel like I kind of knew what I was doing and I would just go on my hunts and they're fine. But you'd get in situations where you're like, man, if I would have been in here just one afternoon, I would know the lay of this land. I'd know where this coolie went. I'd know where the trail was, you know, I'd know a little bit. And so the last few years I've just made a priority of at least going scouting a few areas I know I'm going to hunt in the future. It might not be like I'm spending two weeks in this year, but I've learned areas where I know quality animals live and I'm just dedicating myself to just learning them better. And like where I killed my bull last year, I literally, when I went in and scouted, which I scouted for archery hunting this area, I literally got on this vantage and I was like, man, like this would be a good spot to sit late season. I bet the bulls move from this country over into these open like South faces and like, sure enough, like, that's literally what I did when I shot my bull. Like Brandon Butt from our office, I was, we were like, you know, we, you don't always get to hunt with all the guys in the office. And I had a free weekend. I was like, hey, Brandon, like, we haven't hunted. Like, let's go. Like, where do you want to go? We picked a different spot, but it was supposed to be windy. And he's like, I don't know. I was like, I got a spot. Like, let's just go check the spot out. And like, literally, like, went in and like executed a plan. And it doesn't always work out like that. You know, but like if I wouldn't have went in there scouting, I probably would have went somewhere else with a lesser chance where like it was just cool to see it pay off in such a direct way of like I literally was here in July and was like, if I come in and sit here, I bet I'll see bulls. And the first day I went in there, like sat there and like an hour later, like spotted these bulls. And it was like, they're done. I was like, Brandon, like those elk are dead. And like literally went back there and killed that bull super easy. And. I wouldn't, I shouldn't say super easy because super easy, like eight, like, <laughs> like eight miles from the truck, super easy, <laughs> but like it was a tight box can. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to be on one side. You're going to be on the other. Like if I can see you, you're probably going to be dead. Mm-hmm. He ended up like bedding in a spot with like tree limbs over him. And if I crossed and got on his level, like the way the topography was, I'd have to get really close to him. Mm-hmm. And I waited and he got up and he fed for like an hour and never gave me a good shot. There was like one one time where like he kind of like I could see the pocket, but I wasn't sure what the trajectory of my bullet was. Mm-hmm. And you know, kind of right on his back line, there's like branches, and I'm like, mm. like what do you think, Brandon? Like I don't know. And I was like, no. And he bedded down, and then he laid there. I mean, you never know if an older, mature bull, especially when the weather's not bad, is just gonna lay there till dark. Unfortunately, he got up a couple hours later and gave me a shot and mm-hmm. hammered him. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was cool to see that. So I, lo- I love scouting. I love hearing that. It's like the little things in Western hunting. Like uh, it's not easy, but it, it's like paying your dues and putting in the work. And and yeah, I'm the same way. Where I got lax on my scouting, where I did a bunch of it when I was younger and going to these new places. I just had more time. It felt like, or it, mm-hmm. I made it a priority because yeah. I didn't know. Uh, how the hunt was going to go, or I didn't know the terrain, or I felt like I had to. And yet, as as I got better at going different places and being 
successful, I'd kind of rely upon, oh, I've been there before, oh, I kind of know this and explore, but man, those scouting days and boots to ground are so advantageous to where now I can't help everywhere I drive, everywhere I look, I'm looking at the mountains and trying to dissect it a bit and going, man, I need to go in there. And, and with my trail running, I'm able to explore a bunch of places because I can put on a bunch of miles in the mountains, get a good workout, and then run into those spots like you're talking about. Like one of my best bear vantages is a spot I found that I went running to and it was yeah. like, man, I think this will be pretty good. The same experience you had with that bull and then show up on that vantage point and have it all come together in May where they just come out and they're doing it on that hillside. It's like, you know, just spending that time and and putting it in there. And even, you know, sometimes it gets tough to scout when we're hunting these different states that are far off units and we have to rely upon e-scouting. But it's just like it it can't be overstated how much like three days in the unit helps you, six days in the (laughs) unit helps you for, for not only like seeing what's in there and the potential, but just seeing the country and how it lays out. Like there's nothing like putting your boots to the ground. And our e-scouting is like um, we do a lot of e-scouting, but it's not – it's not like a a guarantee that we're going to go into this basin and find this group of bucks. I've like reverted like back. I've like pulled back my e-scouting because like when I first started hunting, like there were some tools but not as many. And we would just, like, pick general areas and then show up because, like, your actual, like, gut instinct when you get there, I feel like it's so much better than, mm-hmm. like, what you think. Yeah, I totally tells agree. You. Absolutely. So now I just generally try to find, like, main, like, where's the best access point? Like, where do people come into this general big chunk of country? Like, where are some vantages where I can see a lot of it and try to not get too locked into, like, this is where the bucks are coming out of. Yeah. Like, that's where the bulls are going to be, you know, because then you just, I feel like it sets you up for failure mm-hmm. when like failures already in, that's like double failure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in the same process where it's like, I, I find likely terrain and I find terrain that connects to it through ridgelines and drainages in multiple spots. But then I have to get in there and I like what you said, like uh, uh, being able to make decisions in real time, being able to adapt to the conditions you're seeing. And you get in there and it always looks different. And yeah. then you can kind of see how it lays out and where you can see it from and how you're going to get to it. So, yeah, I'm same way. Just a big overview, multiple backup plans, but that's just likely terrain. I need to get in there and see what actually lives in there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah my e-scouting is not hard and fast at all. I, I feel like I like get in there and I'm like, that was wrong. Like, like totally changed my plan. Um, I, I can't remember a time where my e-scouting was like spot on. You know, you're like, yeah, <laughs> totally. man, I did a good job of that. <laughs> you're, like, in there, you're like, well, that doesn't look like what I thought it looked like. On to the next thing. Yeah. So those, yeah, those times are few and far between. It's a great tool, but it's, it's uh, very much a starting point. Boots on the ground is mm-hmm. paramount. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, al- it's always bigger than it looks too. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I, I was going to actually hit you up about this last season but i never got to um like in prairie country you know how mule deer their beds will be like tucked in the hillside Mm -hmm. and like i think maybe some of it's my mindset of like having to stock them in their beds but what's your strategy like when because you can get 20 yards above them you know like typically if you play the win and everything right and you're, you're patient whatever you can get in and tight on them but then you're like in that bubble and you can't you can't shoot them in their beds you can barely see their rack 
I feel like the wind switches or like something happens or they stand up and they look behind them and you're like, they freak out. Like, I don't know what the best, like what's the best scenario for like. Mm -hmm. Gosh, that, uh, that question, uh, <laughs> it's a great question. Like um, you're right, the, the high country stuff lays out, the early season stuff lays out to hunt them in their beds. And, and a lot of times when I'm hunting them in their beds, very rarely do I shoot a buck in his bed. Like I shot a buck this year in his bed, but that's one out of three or one out of four, you know. But um, so a lot of times I'm sneaking in and I try not to stalk to failure and I try to just get in close and then I try to let the situation happen and let mm. it uh, let that buck get up and walk out is most of the time what I'm doing. But uh, what you're talking about in that prairie country, the rules do kind of change a bit. Like it's almost better to have a buck on his feet than in his yeah. bed. And um, sometimes I'll play that where I bet him down and he's bedded in a good spot. Uh, but like this year, I, I mean, I busted a really good tall four point that I stocked in his bed that I thought I was going to be able to shoot in his bed and got there. The ungulation was right there and I could just see his horns, just like the, yeah. the exact scenario that you're describing. And I actually went back to whisper to my buddy and I just gave him a, he's between the trees like that, like really quiet. And he was like 35, 40 yards and he actually heard me whisper and I yeah. saw his head whip around and then he bolted out of there, oh, you man. know, and it was like, I thought I had him dead to rights. I had a cover win. <laughs> But, um, yeah, as we get in this prairie terrain, I will stalk them in their beds. But during the rut, the bucks are so active and on their feet that I almost hunt them more like I hunt elk. I get aggressive, and I, I just get in there. I see them, and then I get in there, and I adapt to the conditions I'm given. I adapt to where that deer's at. And sometimes I'm held up 200 yards and can't move. And I just start, like, coyoting the herd and just start playing the game with yeah. them when they're on their feet and, and just take what they'll give me, keep the element of surprise, never give myself yeah. away but i start hunting them like elk where i'm sneaking in and i'm looking for that opportunity to get into them so in the prairie country and as it gets into the rut way less in their beds and more so on their feet like i'd hunt a bull elk does for that sure. make sense yeah, yeah. It, it was all like first couple weeks of like season oh, stuff that? where Early it's season. like yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. like they're just like going to bed quick it's and now re-bed yeah you know but it's like there's like six bucks and you're like <sighs> I feel like, yeah, I, I feel like getting them on their feet is a way better yep. opportunity. I like, feel like, though, if like, you just, like, like get getting, in there Getting them out sit. of their bed to shoot them? No, like, waiting for them to naturally, like, get gotcha. up and move. Yeah. It's just, like, again, that's where, like, if you come in on a weekend and you find a good buck, where the hell is he going to go? What, where is he going when he gets up? You know, you're like... I don't know. Like, you can make a guess, which nine out of ten times is usually wrong. <laughs> it's Andrew, a, it's you, a tough you situation. You hunt like crazy, but. too. It, it's tough. It's like you fail a lot, you know. Ah. It's just the way it goes. But I do like the <clears throat> afternoon bed. Those muley ears, once they hear sound... They, they key into that position and then they look for movement and they're real movement key. They want to see you move or make that mistake. So staying frozen a lot of times, which you guys know all the rules and have as much experience hunting deer and hunting elk as I do. But, um, I, you know, I, I really try to wait till the afternoons. It seems like they always bed in a good spot in the morning, like a good location as far as topography is concerned. Yeah. But I just don't have enough like uh, conditions on my side of things to make a play right there. I'd rather wait till the afternoon 
afternoon, even if he's in a worse spot. I get, you know, just more of those um, directional winds, which covers my sound, you know, of course, thermals and things of that nature. And so I like that afternoon. But, but you're right. When we're hunting on limited time, you never know. And sometimes you watch that buck and then he disappears in the timber and you got no play for the entire day, you yeah. know. So yeah. it, it's just a tough game, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm a big fan of getting to that, like, not stock until failure, right? But, like, getting to that, like, 60, 70 yard mark. Yes. And you're, you're like, kind of safe. You have a little buffer from the wind, little buffer from the sound, and let them get up. And, and basically they have, like, you know, I don't know what it would be, like 90 degrees or, or something, uh, maybe a little more than 90 degrees. If they start working that direction, all of a sudden they're cutting the yardage off, right? And they're on their feet, and now you have the element of surprise and the advantage. I would much rather get in on a buck, stay at 70 yards, and have him get up and feed away and, and have the situation not evolve the way I planned than stock till failure and bust him and have him be three miles away in five minutes, you know? So d that's the way. My, my takeaway from the last, like, three, four seasons is be patient, right? Just be patient and let, let them make the mistake. Mm -hmm. If there's an opportunity where you're like, yes, this is perfect, I have the perfect wind, and I can get in and shoot them in their bed, or like I can I can stalk and finish the stalk, um, that's great. But I feel like those opportunities, those perfect opportunities are few and far between. Yeah. So I just like to get in the wheelhouse and let them make a mistake. And that's that's what happened with that late season buck this year. I just got in this drainage and bird dogged these, it was like 15 does and one buck. And I just bird dogged them, just stayed at that like 100 yard buffer and just kept moving with them. And one doe just decided to turn around and come back my direction. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, he came with them. So I didn't, I really didn't do anything. I just stayed close to him and that doe made, you know, his, his final mistake for him. So that's a great buck. Congratulations. Yeah, yes, man, you just play it perfect. It's wild how we've never discussed it or talked about it. Uh, but but we have like a lot of the same tactics we're using on these bucks. Like yeah. patience kills the buck. It's uh -huh. like, and you just keep that element of surprise. Don't give yourself away. And sometimes the terrain or the undulation or the wind will allow you to get into bow range where he gets up to shoot him. Other times you're holding back with a 60, 70 yard mark, letting things progress and happen and moving from there. And then sometimes when the wind's bad, I'll just move in close 200 to 400 yards and sit with a good wind and then let him come out and do his deal. And then maybe the wind changes or he puts himself in a bad spot and then I'm able to capitalize but yeah for sure the, the other thing you can think about you you were saying you like to do those afternoon stocks uh, when they get in their afternoon bed a lot of times when they get in their bed originally I'll I'll like think about where they're gonna go because I, I know when that Sun moves they're getting up out of that bed and going somewhere so if you can try to visualize where they might go to get to their next bed yeah. and get to within 40 yards of that of where you perceive they're going to bed. Oh, that's such a great tip. That's such maybe, a great tip. Maybe they walk right into you. Maybe oh, good not. for you. Maybe not. Creative you know? thinking is rewarded in backcountry hunting, isn't it? It's mm -hmm. like there's no black and white. It's gray. And like this creative thinking of trying to solve it, like we're uh, we're all enthralled like in the game and like playing it and improving. And I think the reason is, is, is like uh, uh, you're constantly trying to, to solve those problems or solve that puzzle to be able to arrow that critter because it's sometimes it feels like mission impossible. It feels like you're never going to get an arrow mm -hmm. into it 
an animal, you know, but all of a sudden when you keep theorizing, keep making plays, keep using, you know, our biggest asset is, is like our ability to think and theorize and, and come up with a plan and that creative thinking. Sometimes it's breaking all the rules that works, you know, yeah. like yeah, yep. it's, it's wild. I love what you said about cutting them off. It's a great tip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. yeah um, well, it's so awesome to sit down with you guys. I am. Um, I, I feel so fortunate to be able to partner uh, with you guys. Like I, I, I really like all your guys's crew. You guys are out doing the same stuff that that I'm doing and that our listeners are doing. And I just have a ton of respect for that and what you guys do. So, man, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, having us. we're excited to see what you do with the tent and yeah. and uh, see where it winds up. But. Yeah. Epic yep. gear, um, epic hunters, and um, just absolutely uh, epic adventures you guys are able to capture. So, man, super cool. All yeah. right. Thanks, Brian. Yeah. Cheers. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Again, those guys are the real deal. Um, out there doing all the necessary things to make themselves better, to give themselves a chance at success. Uh, they really know how to grind and uh, really know how to be successful on these Western hunts. So great in-depth conversation. Thanks to those guys for coming on. Uh, they'll be reoccurring guests as I love those in-depth conversations with those guys. So um, really happy that I was able to share that with you guys. Uh, thanks again to Stone Glacier. Um, really stoked at the partnership with them. Uh, make sure to check out their tents, check out their sleeping bags, and, and really all the gear that they're producing. They produce uh, great minimalist mountaineering gear and I feel like it it really fits my style of hunting and uh, I'm sure it fits yours as well so check out that sky or ultra the skyscraper check out the sleeping bags just a great company and um, yeah excited to be partnered with them uh, also make sure to check out on x uh, on x just changes the way I hunt and scout I spend so much time on that app researching units and getting a feel for them and and where I'm going to go and I also like that you know I can catch my maps and download my maps and have them on the hunt in real time to adapt my strategy so um, most of you guys are members of on x but if you're not make sure to check it out it's a great hunting and scouting app and with that um just get this podcast out to you guys and um, back at the training. I, I did miss a few days there during the show, just so busy um, uh, early and late. And uh, it's not very often that I miss a few days of training. So trying to make up some ground now, uh, trying to run and, and uh, get in these hills and be shooting my bow and just getting ready for this bear season and making sure I'm ready uh, for the season in general. Like I hope to draw some good tags and have some good adventures and I want to be at my absolute best. And the time to improve is right now during the off season. So um, it's snowing and cold today, but uh, uh, rest assured I'll be out there getting in my miles and getting in my elevation and um, also will be shooting my bow day in, day out. Uh, just takes this constant work. It's it uh, It isn't easy to, to be consistently successful. It has to be a way of life, and you have to embrace the entire process. So that's exactly what I'm doing now. And um, also trying to get my work responsibilities done, hang out with the family, fit in all that stuff. That that family life is so important. And, and a big part of that is, is really just being engaged. Like, uh, you know, when I'm on a hunt, I'm all in thinking about nothing but that hunt. And when I'm at my house or when I'm having dinner with my family or we're watching a, uh, a movie at night, like I, I want to be all in, engaged with my family. It's so important. So, um, yeah, just... Um, 
thinking about all the little things and um, trying to get the most out of this life. So uh, thank you guys for listening in. I really appreciate it. I have got some great podcasts coming up. Uh, a uh, great one where I got uh, Dan Picard, Jason Matzinger on. I'll be releasing to you guys. Got another one with Robbie Denning uh, where we sat down and, and talked over everything fresh in his mind. He's got a new book coming out. Um, just an amazing podcast. So some great podcasts from this show. So nice to sit down and have face-to-face meetings and um, pumped on this podcast. Uh, like I say, uh, Zach Bott and Andrew Whitney are the real deal. And so anytime I can get those guys to sit down with me and share some information on the podcast, I'm all in. Uh, thank you guys for all the support. Thanks for the reviews on, on iTunes. It really helps push the podcast out there. Thanks for the shares on on Instagram uh, with the podcast episodes that you like, uh, tagging me and also tagging um, the, the guest on the, the podcast. That brings weight to help me get really good guests on there. When they hear good feedback from Eastman's Elevated, they know you guys are listening in and appreciate the information they shared. It's easy to get them back on. And I love these repeat good guests that we have on here. So, um, man, rest assured, I'm going to keep working hard uh, towards my goals uh, for 2022. And I'm also going to be working hard on this podcast to bring you guys the absolute best information. And um, couldn't be more pumped. Just back at it here and trying to get some work done and and um, trying to draw some tags. It's that time of year. But uh, that's a wrap, guys. Thanks a bunch for listening in, and I'll check in with you next week.